You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, Hannies. It's Amiria Sai, and you're back for season two of The Take On. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Take On. It's Amiria Oz, and I am so excited to have... Sander in the room, Sander Jennings. Uh, we met on Clubhouse, but I've been a fan way before that. Um, of course, you're going to recognize his name from I Am Jazz, which is on TLC for six seasons, following his lovely sister and their family as she transitions and enters like her most authentic self. You've always been such an ally, which is what I've loved about you. Thank you for being here. Of course. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Of course. I mean, I, I want to start right there with the word ally, because I think for a lot of queer um, people, especially trans people, an ally is a very triggering word because a lot of times people say they're an ally, but then they just kind of want to like say that because it sounds good. Um, how do you define an ally and like how do you kind of keep yourself accountable as an ally? Of course, Jazz is your sister, but like how do you like define that word and keep yourself accountable? Cool. Well, I think uh, the first thing to note is you say Jazz is my sister, and so like, oh, that's so then you must be an ally, which I disagree with in some ways. I find that I like to explain it this way. Being transgender is not a choice. Being LGBTQ plus is not a choice. But being an ally is a choice. And it's a choice you make. And it's a choice you make that includes being active as an ally. So how I define an ally is someone who is actively supporting marginalized individuals. And so for me, I hold myself accountable because I consider myself an ally 365 days a year. There's not a day that goes by that I'm not thinking how I could be a better ally to my sister, to all my family members, and to any of my friends, especially people who identify within the LGBTQ plus community. And so my allyship is 365 days a year. And when I say, uh, when someone asks, how do you define an ally? I define it as someone who is actively being an ally 365 days a year. But that being said, yes, there are different ways for people to portray their allyship. Not everyone has to do what I do where I'm posting at least once a week about my allyship and trying to spread some type of message to my following. If some people don't feel comfortable posting online, at least practicing allyship in other ways um, that I'm sure we'll go over throughout this this podcast is being an active ally. So does that answer the question a little bit? That's my definition. Yes, it does. I mean, what I loved about that, and I want on a t-shirt, is that it's a choice to be an ally. So you choose to be an ally. Because a lot of people kind of see, oh, it's my sister. Or, you know, like when I came out to my family, they're very conservative Muslim, and they didn't take it well. And nobody was an ally to me for a very long time, because even though they were my family. So it, I love that you corrected me. It's true. It's not an automatic thing just because you're related to someone who's part of the LGBTQ, then all of a sudden that makes you an ally. Um, so thank you for that correction. And it's very accurate. So I think, I think around, I have a lot of friends who are trans and of course I have a lot of LGBTQIA friends. I, I love to focus on feelings, right? So when your sister came to you and, and did the coming out process and wanting and being one of, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, one of the youngest people um, to transition, what were your thoughts? And of course, I mean, I know you were young, but like feeling wise, did you like, I just want to know a little bit about that side of things. Yeah. When my parents, uh, told me that my, I never consider jazz, my brother, but I guess younger brother in quotes, uh, was now transitioning to be a female, mm -hmm. which she knew she was. I, listen to my parents. They said, you have to support her. And so we did. And we became supportive. If there's any raw emotion that I could truly remember that was somewhat negative, it was more the imbalance that it was, I mean, the balance it was creating in the family. I always loved before that. And I remember saying it when I was younger, I was like, oh, but we had four boys and two girls and that's how it was supposed to be. And then it was became three girls and three guys. And now the balance was, was shifted in towards uh, equilibrium. And so that's the only negative emotion I really truly remember feeling at all. But from day one, I listened to my parents, I listened to jazz, and I became supportive. I was young at the time. I didn't really understand gender and sexuality, but I understood love. And that's kind of how my parents phrased it. You, you got to love your sister no matter what. And so I started to love my sister no matter what. That's amazing. And it, it like, it, and what you said, it's like, again, it's that choosing to be an ally, choosing love. Like people think it's kind of like, I can't help myself. I don't accept it. But it's like, 
but that is also a choice and it's also a choice to love. So I, I really like that you mentioned that. I, I want to ask you about like, did you ever, and I know again, you were very young, but I have friends who, you know, their parents have transitioned or a lover has transitioned and they had to kind of mourn the loss of, but you as a child, I think they're a lot more connected to their siblings. I feel like you always saw Jazz as a sister, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. It's like, yeah, always. yeah. Okay. So then that, so then you didn't have that. Did you have a mourning process or were you too young? No, I didn't really have a mourning process. Um, from the get go, I was supportive and I was, I was there for jazz. No mourning process. Um, the closest thing that would have came to a mourning process was just coming to terms with, Hey, it was, it's going to be three guys, three girls now and not, uh, Four guys, two girls. Got it. Got it. And from there, it was, I was supportive. But I don't think I was an ally for right away. Mm-hmm. I think I only considered myself an ally the past two and a half years. I would say before that, I was a supporter and a good big brother. But I never really was truly an ally until two and a half years ago. Like you said, uh, the LGBTQ plus community doesn't take the word ally lightly like it sometimes is triggering i proudly can say i can call myself an ally because i have receipts to back it up and i show it every single day but i know for a lot of people um they say they're an ally and they're not and for me i would say up until about two and a half years ago i wouldn't have considered myself an ally um and that's amazing and i think that it's really important to own the moments where we haven't done something exactly the way we thought we would and to own that so that's just you being very self-aware and i really appreciate that um, I want to ask you about um, your twin brother. Uh, like, did you, did you, because I know when you have like that twin brother, like you guys have like a closer bond. Did the two of you like step aside and go, okay, that like, these are my feelings. Did he share like, what was the vibe between the twins? I, the vibe between the twins was always pretty similar. My brother Griffin, people don't know as much about him, but if everyone did know as much about Griffin, they would realize how amazing he is as well. I am so thankful and we are also thankful to have Griffin. Griffin is off at law school right now and he's never really been as vocal, but he's a great ally. He's always portraying his allyship and he's actually always learning from me as an ally. Mm -hmm. He thanks me sometimes for teaching him things. But in terms of our twin vibe, no, me and Griffin always were supportive and always there for her. I would say if anything, Jazz always needed a little bit more support from the entire family just because she was going through some tougher things, especially as she became in the spotlight more famous. And sometimes it was definitely tough on both Griffin and I and my older sister, Ari, to come to terms with, hey, mom is sometimes going to have to spend a little more time being there for jazz, flying with her places. And we don't ever hold that against any of either of our parents or any of our siblings for showing jazz that support because jazz needed the most support. She was going through the most amount of things. Um, But as a family and as twins, we really... I love Griffin. We have a close bond. Griffin's close with Jazz. Griffin's close with Ari. We're all just a really close-knitted family, and we're all there for each other with whatever we need. It's amazing. I love your family so much, and I'm sure a lot of people listening do as well. I think when it comes to what you said about, you know, with Jazz needing kind of more attention and, you know, your parents giving that to her, like, what came up to me was possible resentment and it seems like you didn't like you were the three of you were very understanding that you know because when you're young like you're just like well my parents keep leaving with jazz like you might not exactly know the reasoning so that's really cool that you you guys didn't resent jazz for that that's really awesome no never resented jazz i think there might have been like a maybe a a one-year period where we felt any type of resentment but that was like when jazz was like just going on red carpets doing this all this stuff but then we like really, I think all just like, we're like, no, we got to stop this and not be resentful. And I think it's kind of crazy because I had an interaction with some TikTok siblings of famous TikTokers who also were trying to grow their brands. And they were, they're obviously TikTokers become, have become famous much quicker. Right. And when I interacted with these siblings, I found that a lot of them resented. And I'm not going to say which siblings of which famous people, pretty high profile people. I can imagine. I found that they were like, <laughs> I don't. I don't want to participate in this campaign because I want to step out of the limelight of my sibling. And for us, it's the, it's kind of the opposite, or at least it's for me. It's like, I, it's not that I want to follow in Jazz's limelight. I was doing that for a really long time. Now I recognize my limelight and my ability to share my story to create change. But I also always want to be a part of Jazz's story 
because I think that um, the statistic says 95.6% of people are allies and only, uh, or it's 94.6 and then 5 point, no, it's 94.4 and it's 5.6% based on a new study that came out in February this year of people identify as LGBTQ plus, so only 5.6. Wow. So almost every single sibling, I mean, every single person who identifies as LGBTQ plus, unless they're an only child, has a sibling. And I recognize that, hey, that is connected to jazz, but it's also my story that can relate to a lot of people who can't relate to jazz. Absolutely. And that's where I recognize the importance of being an ally. And that's why I'm trying to be that role model for a lot of siblings. And I didn't feel like I had that when I was growing up. I didn't have like, hey, this is a sibling of a transgender person. And this is how I could be the best sibling possible. And I think that's why I wasn't always the greatest ally and I didn't understand allyship up until now. Um, and now I want to be that person for every sibling out there. Absolutely. Well, and it's also like you didn't have a rule book, right? So I think it's it's like you can look back and say, but like there there wasn't really a, a blueprint. You know, obviously people are a lot more authentic these days and stepping into who they are, but that didn't exist. Um, I want you to explain the statistic because I got a little confused. Can you break down the statistic one more time? I didn't really understand. Yeah, my bad. I, okay. I realized that that messed up on that okay. statistic. So night or 5.6% of the population. Mm-hmm. I think it's a U.S. statistic identifies as LGBTQ plus okay. based on the most recent statistic. Therefore, if the world was a loving place, uh, 94.4% of people should be allies. Oh, I got you. I got it now. Mm-hmm. The majority, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a large majority. Well, that's so, not the case. Though. Yes. <laughs> no, I know. Of course, yeah. not everyone's an ally and a lot of people don't support. But imagine if we did, then could live in so much peace and harmony. But mm-hmm. the point that I want to make is... There's a lot of people who want to and can hear the the story of an ally and resonate closer with that. Like people look up to Jazz and they love her for her story, but a lot of people can't put themselves in Jazz's shoes. But a lot more people might have a friend who's transgender or a sibling who then could put themselves in the shoes of an ally. And that's why it's so shocking that there's not that many super, super active allies out there constantly putting in the work. And so that's why I try to do that. And I don't do it for any type of gain. I do it strictly for trying to help out the community and trying to show people how to be the best ally possible. And you're doing it and you're doing it wonderfully, very shirtlessly, which I don't object. I'm fine with it. Um, yeah, don't, <laughs> don't, I don't see my Instagram post tonight. It's a shirtless Sander video. It. It's shirtless it. Sander part three with jazz. <laughs> I love it. I'm not mad at it. You're, you know, I have a friend, he's an actor, Kendrick Sampson, and he uses like thirst trapping to get people to see his comments about BLM and it really works. So you're, you're, you're doing good things for us and we all appreciate it. I, I want to, Oh, send me that account. I will. Send absolutely. me that account for sure. Yeah, it's I want to yeah. see because I've actually never done that. Yeah. I've only done it once where I did like a drop the towel challenge and under the towel <laughs> was a message about being an ally. I love that. Um, I've only done that once, but I definitely feel like maybe that would work. I think it would work definitely. And um, I, you know, I, I'm a hairy guy too. I got a hairy chest. So I appreciate people that put that like they don't put that quafted body out all the time. So I appreciate that. I will definitely send it to you. Um, so I want to ask you about, okay, so obviously you're a wonderful family, very close knit, but you know, I worked as a publicist for 10 years and fame can be very like, it kind of worms its way into every crevice of relationships. So did your parents, before you guys agreed to do this show, obviously jazz was on YouTube, but like, what, can you talk to me a little bit about that conversation with your parents where they like, okay, your lives might change. Like, obviously you don't know if it's going to be six seasons when you first do something, but you know, it's TLC, like they're doing these high profile shows so, like, did they sit you down and go, people are going to recognize you and it's going to make your life different? Like, was there that conversation? You got to throw it back to 2006 to talk about that conversation. When we did the Barbara Walters 2020 special, I don't know if you know about that, but I we do. did a Barbara Walters 2020 special, which was the first really big appearance. And obviously, we didn't become instantly famous overnight, but we definitely became somewhat known, especially jazz. Right. It was before that that. We didn't even use our real real first names in that one. They didn't even use the children's name. Uh, they didn't even show too much of, like, I think the siblings' faces. My, my dad is super protective. So wow. um, at first, we were just, we'd always have the conversations. And it was not an easy, easy decision to go on TV. And people think a huge misconception people have about my family is that we do this for fame and, and fortune. 
First of all, we don't make that much money from doing a TV show. Right. Second off, the toll that it takes and the amount of privacy you lose, like you just said, is tough. And we are doing it because we recognize that we can reach so many people and create that type of change. And we think if we could even change one life, that's huge. But we know we've changed thousands and thousands of lives. Um, but the decision was not easy at all. Even though we knew we'd be able to help a lot of people, we also had to take into account the privacy, the fact that we were going to get bullied, the fact that we lose friends, and all those things have happened. And it has been tough. Being on a TV show is not easy. It's not all limelight and glory. It's a lot of toughness. It's a lot of tears. It's a lot of uh, things that the family always has to work through. But at the end of the day, the unconditional love my family shares has helped us really get through that stuff. And we did have those conversations. We continue to have those conversations because you never know. Season seven, who knows? We're continuing to have conversations about it to this day. I love about that. What's best move for our family? And we make these decisions as a family. If one person doesn't want to do it, we're not doing things. So I love that. It's, it's an interesting dynamic, but we're all in this together. Uh, the main thing that I'm actually pushing right now, and I might be on my TikTok very soon, it's that teamwork makes the dream work. And I think if anything, my family really teaches me that lesson, how important teamwork is because we are one big team. Oh, your family is so cute. Can I come over for Passover? Like I, I need to be part of this family. You guys are so sweet. You are and welcome to come over sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know, after COVID, um, I definitely want to meet your lovely family. I mean, th- like you said, that unconditional love, a lot of queer people like from the LGBTQIA, they don't have that unconditional r- love, right? They come out to their families and they're discarded like yesterday's trash. And it, it's, I mean, that happened to my own family and I, you know, we worked our way backwards, but it's not easy and it's hard to heal those wounds. So I, I love to hear a story of like you know the way that you have all rallied against around jazz and it's just wonderful so i i love to see that um when did season six come out and i do want to go back to how you said there might be a season seven because i got a lot of dms asking when the show was coming back and i think in 2021 people are really starving for this like unconditional love in this kind of family and people want to see that. Of course we have like the bullshit Arkansas bill and all the stupid trans athletes oh, can't play and oh, all don't that. Get me start- we're going to get there. We're going to trust me. We want to, oh, we talk could about. go there. I'm down to go there. You're going to get some, you're going to get some passion for me for those. Good. good. I want to um, get passion from you. So, but season seven, tell me about that first because, and then we'll go. So to yeah. So season six was filmed a year and a half ago. And let me tell you, like I said, I mean, I've changed so much. The whole family has really changed so much since right. then. Mostly good, but also we've had our hiccups. We've had some things going on. Um, and it's no secret. We've talked about it on our videos and stuff that family has gone through some stuff. In terms of season seven, I cannot disclose and I cannot say whether or not there will be a season seven yet. But I can assure you that you will be a someone that I let know when I know the full details. Yay. I will say it's 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 in the air. And it's being discussed and we are figuring things out. The family needs to make sure it's, it's right for us and that we are up for it because we have a lot of things going on. We talk about mental health. We talk about advocacy. We talk about these anti-trans LGBTQ plus bills. We also have my brother-in-law school, my sister uh, moving hopefully out to do her PhD. We have me who just graduated my master's and working on starting up my business, Digi Empower, which is focused on empowering uh, emerging creators and small businesses to wow. share their story. So we're, we have a lot of different things going on. And Jazz still plans on hopefully going to Harvard next fall. So Amazing. there's a lot of things that are kind of in the works and that can affect whether or not there'll be a season seven. Mm-hmm. But I can say that I'm very hopeful mm-hmm. that there will be as long as the family all feels up for it. I love that. I would love to see Jazz as a professor at Harvard one day. That Wouldn't that be amazing? That would be cool. So you said people have been asking about it. Did yes. you post something about like me being on the Absolutely. podcast? Or? Yes, I did. So people were DMing. I don't think I saw it. Oh, I tagged yes, you. You must have missed it. It's okay. I'll post again when I'll post it after as well. Don't worry. Um, oh, cool. I will make sure you see it. Um, yeah, no, listen, I think with that, I think that is a really, first of all, well done with the media training because I'm a publicist. I have to give you kudos for that. You answered the question really well. Um, you, season seven, like, I mean, 
people are just hopeful to even hear about it. So we're just excited to hear that. I want to go to the bill because I know how impassioned you are. And I've been posting it about it as well. And I've seen Jazz's, you know, Twitter, and I've seen you post about it and you guys post together. And it's just amazing. So I love all that. So talk to me about this bill. And if you can break it down to make it easier for people to kind of digest um, what the F-U-C-K is going on, like in 2021 with this bill. Well, there's not just a bill. There are many bills. There's actually over 90 bills that have been introduced, I think, in now. I know it was 29, but it might be closer to over 30 now. So 30 states have introduced anti-transgender bills. They relate to two things. One, gender-affirming care. So that's uh, T-blockers, which help with testosterone. That's uh, hormone, puberty, stuff like that, pills to help suppress um, that's gender confirmation surgery, the whole shebang. And in some states, they're making it a felony for doctors to give these uh, oh, gender God. affirming cares. And other, they're just saying it's illegal. There's a bunch of different things. I'm not exactly sure on the exact logistics for the Arkansas bill, but I know it's according to Chase Strangio, who's a friend of mine, who is the ACLU attorney. It's one of the most egregious bills against transgender people that he's ever seen. Wow. So it's pretty bad. And I know from personal experience, gender affirming a care likely saved my sister's life. If she could not have gotten gender-affirming care, I don't know if she'd be here today. Mm. So those are terrible. Then let's go to the sports bills, which also is super... That's something I actually had to see my sister face those head-on because my sister was banned from playing travel soccer for two years. And let me tell you, Jazz was one of the best women soccer players I've ever seen. And that had nothing to do with her size. She was the smallest girl on the field. had nothing to do with uh, the fact that she was assigned male at birth, it simply had to do with the fact that she had twin brothers who were also, I was one of the really strong, I was a really good athlete and she was, she worked hard and she was fast and she was quick and right. my family's athletic. So she was just really good. And they banned her from playing. She had, I had to watch her play with the boys for wow. two years before she finally was able to play. And it totally affected her entire sports career. She never was truly the same after she came back and it's sad and it really pisses me off that they're trying to take away sports. The gender-affirming care is a no-no. Like, I cannot even believe that. The sports thing, some people have these arguments that, like, in maybe the most peculiar situations I could see, but still, it's absolutely ridiculous, and they should not be even talked about. There's no... In Florida, they're debating it right now, and there's no cases of anyone having, like, a situation where they were, like, a victim or had a problem with it, like... So I don't even know where these bills are coming from, and it's terrible. It's apparently a full-on attack, like a coordinated attack against transgender people. And anyone listening to this, take action. We need to take action. Message me on Instagram if you have any questions. Yeah, we're um, you know your Instagram's tagged, so if anyone wants to go and DM him and just get involved. That's the best way to do it. And posting about it does make a difference. Like I know people say, Oh, but like I post all the, like the more you post, the more people know, people don't know these things. A lot of times if it's not in their circle, people don't know what's happening to trans people and trans people are being murdered, especially in 2020 at an alarming rate. I mean, there was 40 murders in Brazil alone. So trans people don't need to not be able to play soccer and get, you know, care that they deserve. I mean, the one of my friends is a doctor at Cedar, uh, sorry, no, Kaiser Permanente in, uh, in LA. And they actually have the head of the doctors is a trans woman who's a doctor. And but best believe this is why you have to have people of color and trans people and queer people at high positions because she makes sure that everyone gets trained of how to deal. And my friend's husband is literally from India. Like he barely speaks English and he's never been around trans people and he's learned how to operate as a doctor. So that says a lot about like how far people can go. Even someone who's never been around it, you can change this idea that we can never change. I, I don't believe that. If someone can come out when they're 75, there's this guy in the UK, like we can change, like people can change and come out and be authentic and be an ally like you said so i I really respect you dissecting those bills for us because it is kind of frustrating and i can feel the passion and the frustration in your voice and i i see you and i i acknowledge that so oh yeah um, i gathered my family together i'm like the person who's into digital marketing i'm into video editing i'm into tiktoking instagram um no one else in my family has that same passion obviously jazz has a lot of followers but she's not as into it i put up two flags in my room I locked my family in the room and I said, we are coming up with two or three videos to talk about these bills. People need right. to hear it. And we did it. And it was posted on the LGBT page, the pride page. Didn't trend too, too much, but it definitely got a lot of eyes on it. We have 
over 5,000, I think, clicks on the thing I created, probably 10,000 now. Um, so we definitely got a lot of exposure. And I know my mom talked to a Florida lawmaker who hopefully won't even put the bill on the committee, like put it on the, even on the floor. So hopefully it'll just get struck down. And hopefully that'll happen in all the, the states. And if it doesn't, then everyone needs to come to bat because we need everyone's support here. All allies and people in the LGBTQ plus community. Even if you don't identify as trans, you are trans brothers or trans siblings is what I heard I is like the best siblings. term to use. Yeah, I like trans siblings. siblings. Let's come to bat That's for our trans nice. siblings. Just ask me what you Oh my god, my Alexa's going off. Alexa, stop. <laughs> um, I don't know why Alexa went off when we said siblings. Um, but yeah, I think it's, yeah, I think that's more inclusive, obviously, but you know, with like, you know, Katie Crick did this interview with Laverne Cox where, you know, Katie was only focused on this surgery and like the sexuality side of it. And I think that what jazz your sister did and what your family has done is take the sex out of it and make it about identity and being who you are because i think that people and even with gay men i get this a lot are you a top or bottom like that people are obsessed with sex when it comes to queer people and trans people and even people of color like it's like so i love that you know when you guys did that documentary and then the show it's like taking that that weird fetishization of trans people out of it which i i think is really powerful yeah uh i know a lot of of my Friends who are people of trans experience have expressed and I've listened and yeah, they, people don't like talking about their, what's between their legs. And it's the number one question no. not to ask a person of trans experience. Don't ask them what's between their legs. Mm-hmm. It's not your business. Another question I encourage people not to ask. So we're going into allyship tips a little bit. Don't ask people what their sexuality is. Let them tell you, create that brave space. Brave spaces goes beyond a safe space, by the way. It involves also including advocacy, which is another term that I learned. So I use safe space. Still a good term, but brave space goes beyond that and includes advocacy. But create that brave space for the person, and then they will tell you their pronouns, their sexuality, their gender identity, maybe even what's between their legs, after you created that space for them to then tell you. That's a big allyship tip. So allyship tip for anyone listening. I love that. That's a good tip. because, And I think as someone who's queer and Persian and Muslim, I hear a lot of dumb shit that people say. And sometimes I'm too tired, you know? Like I was on a Zoom call today and someone was like, of course, like the straight girl didn't know any better and was like, oh, I I was thinking last night, like, I just love you so much. If you, if I wish you could go through conversion therapy so then you'd be straight and I could date you. And I'm like, that comment is like, not okay. Like not okay, those kind of, Right? Like those kind of comments are not okay, but I'm too tired in a Zoom call in a professional setting to say that's inappropriate. Or when someone says, messages me, I got a message last week from a friend. Um, I love you and I support you and I followed you for all these months, and but I'm scared of Muslim people. What do you want me to do about it? So sometimes, like, I love that tip because it's like, sometimes the allies, that's why we need allies because sometimes I'm too tired to speak up. And I'm sure Jazz sometimes is too tired to speak up to the hate and the you're going to hell and you can't be trans and and. I get all of those messages as well. Like it gets tiring. So, you know, how do you, I know you said that things have gotten tough at times for the family. How do you navigate this hate? I mean, people are awful on YouTube. Like I just got recently on YouTube and, you know, one of my videos hit like a lot of views and then people, I mean, I stopped looking at the comments because they were, you know, kill yourself. You're fat. You're disgusting. You're going to hell. Everyone hates you. I mean, some of those messages are a lot to take on, especially if you're, you know, in the process of transitioning and then you're on a show. Like how did you, navigate that it's a lot yeah it's something that is definitely tough for all of us to navigate the toughest part is when it's going at jazz when i have to hear someone or read something that someone said to jazz that is so hurtful then the brother big brother kicks in and that's Mm -hmm. where i get infuriated and sometimes it's hard to control my emotions someone says something to me or wants to comment at me that relates to me i take it uh you're you're my haters are my motivators your mm-hmm. comments don't really bother me. Like you're coming from the place of hate and I am coming from the place of love. When someone's coming at jazz, it's a little tougher, but then I still try to center myself and think this person is coming from a place of ignorance and hate jazz. And I are coming from a place of love. Let me use this as a instance to one comment back and educate Two, ignore, not them, give them the time of day and not let it bother me. Just move on and recognize that their ignorance and hate is coming from hate. So that's kind of how we've navigated it. It's not always easy. We definitely had to be there for each other, especially the death threats. 
But at the end wow. of the day, the unconditional love helps us all pull each other through any hate or comments. I mean, some of it's gotten physical too. I've been pushed into a pool. I have been, I've been kicked out of bars. I have been told that wow. I don't belong at a party that was all my friends there by someone <gasps> telling everyone that these guys can't come because they support the LGBTQ plus community. Like what? Oh my of course God. people stuck up for me, but yeah, there's been things that have happened. Wow. And I did look back to even high school and middle school. And like I was bullied and was so oblivious because I was such a happy guy that I didn't even realize that I was probably being bullied for this reason. But wow. we get through it. We're all there for each other. And it's amazing. Your positivity is like so addicting. And you know, when it was this when you're at college, like when you're at a party, like you're just trying to live your life, right? Like I and this is because of the show or because of the support for the LGBTQ. Is it jealousy? Like what do you think is it what is You it? know, some of these instances I don't have exact social proof that it was coming from someone being like, Oh, like they didn't say, Oh, it's because you support your sister. But right. I was told by other people then that, oh yeah, he's transphobic. Wow. Uh, so that makes sense. And I'm like, ah, connect the dots. So I figure <laughs> that then obviously some instances, I know that the person is completely coming from a place of, Hey, I hate you because you support your sister. I right. hate you because you support the LGBTQ plus community. Right. I've been told by close friends that people don't want me in a group chat because I posted a picture of me dressed in drag, raising money for charity. Like, yes, oh I get it for a lot of people that is going past the line saying that I would date a person of trans experience to some people who I would would say are transphobic. Uh, yes, I can understand why they maybe are like taking question to it if they're transphobic. But you don't need to hate on me for it. I can do what I want to do. I feel comfortable with my sexuality. I feel comfortable with who I am as a person. And I'm going to do what I want to do to support the community that I love. Absolutely. And I think that what's beautiful about like this TikTok generation, this Gen Z, is that they don't even feel the need to say, I'm gay, I'm straight, I'm bi. Like, it's kind of like, the fluidity is so it's so kind of encouraged and enjoyed by Gen Z and like this younger generation. And like, I'm a millennial and it's very much like, what are you? Like when I've expressed interest in possibly being with like a straight couple, all of my gay friends were like, you can't do that. Even though the queer community is so accepting, it's like, you're still in this like box. So I love that you're just open to that. And, you know, in the way that in the media men have gotten shamed, especially black men for being with trans people. And then, you know, like being exposed and being like, you know, just all of that, like, you're willing to sexualize trans people and treat them like, especially when they're just doing sex work to survive sometimes. And then you're willing to get them murdered. And then you don't, it's like, you don't want them to have rights. It's just like, it's very confusing. And it's like, it's quite frustrating as I'm also a trans ally. I sit back and I'm like, that's crazy. And I understand why trans people are like, I don't want to keep defending myself. I don't want to keep talking about what's between my legs. Like google.com, like get your Google going. Like we, you know, how much time do people have on their hands? So I, I love that you mentioned that. And I, what I want to ask you about is when do you, I know you said death threats, but I'm assuming a lot of that was online. Have you ever felt unsafe in your town, like in your hometown or like, how is the vibe there? Cause um, like, are people open-minded? Are people like, what's the vibe? Because that's tough. Yeah, I could give this in a quick answer because it's not sure. too, too in-depth. I've never not felt safe in my hometown. I mm-hmm. have not felt safe in my college town. Okay. In very – in those instances that I kind of explained, I didn't feel somewhat safe. I didn't mm-hmm. – I felt – uh, one night I felt really alone. The night I was kicked out of a bar, I went out with friends that I wasn't too, too close with, but they were good, cool guys. So they hit me up to come pregame. I went out with them. I got kicked out of the bar and they didn't even come. They didn't leave with me. And then I was defending myself and I knew one of the other people was working there. And I got really heated because I felt as though I was, I felt like my rights were violated because they were. I, the person who kicked me out was the same person who, had problems with me and, and other instances and I had never done anything and I wasn't causing him any harm for being in that bar, but because he worked there, his boss sided with him, which is okay. But at the same time, you can't just kick someone out of somewhere. I mean, maybe you can, but if there is any validity behind it being because of anything related to, uh, like your orientations, then I feel like that's against the law. And it I is. looked it up a little bit and, yeah, I didn't feel safe that night, and I felt really alone. But then I hit up a different friend in the bar across the street. I went over. It was another friend that I don't hang out that much, and she was just there for me and supported me, and I just had a great night. So it ended up being okay oh. and fine. But, 
yeah, sometimes in the college town, I didn't feel as safe, but I always knew people had my back and I still know today people have my back and Absolutely. I'm somewhat strong. So I, I run, I run, I don't fight unless I'm <laughs> really being cornered and like I'm being, but I, I don't, I hopefully will never be in a situation like that. Don't worry. I fight. Like I will protect you. I will, there's, you know, that TikTok trend where it's like, it's like someone saying something about someone and, and then like their mom will walk in front of them and be like, I'll talk. Cause I'm the one that's like, I will speak up. I have a big mouth and I've spent most of my life being silent. And when if some listen, I might be the gayer than the day is, you know, long, but I will knock you out. My dad taught me fighting skills very early on. I can knock out anyone. So I, I got your back. Um, I will not let people talk. But you're in LA, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, unless I, I'm hoping to hopefully come to LA when it opens up for at least a month. Um, hopefully get like this an Airbnb or something. To meet people and to meet creators. And I know a lot of people here, so I will we'll definitely kick it. Um, I know that we kind of got a little like sidetracked with, I mean, it got kind of dark and heavy, I know, but I kind of want to lighten up the mood a little bit. I want to ask you about your DMs. Are they popping off? I mean, you were posting these showless pictures you're so adorable. You're an ally. You're everything that someone's looking for. Like, are you looking to date? Like, what's the vibe? I know you're doing building an empire, but what's yeah, your vibe? I am. I'm single Sander. I'm very focused on my career. And right now with COVID, I don't go out too much. So I'm not meeting too many people. I do have a lot of right. people in my DMS. Uh, I definitely do have a crush right now. Um, oh. nothing official, uh, but anyone we know, anyone you want to share or no, <laughs> definitely, <just> <laughs> definitely no one, anyone knows. And okay. it's nothing exclusive. So I'm still out there doing my thing, but, uh, yeah, it's only time will tell what happens with my relationship life. I still am always creeping in my DMS and seeing yesterday I posted a video about a frog and I said, DM uh-huh. me ribbit. Cause I just wanted to see if people would actually do it. And of course people DM me ribbit because they wanted to <laughs> be my person. So I'm always open. Uh, I love being set up on blind dates. Haven't got on too many, but I'd hope maybe soon when COVID goes away. And uh, I'm always open to meeting new people. And I'm just being patient because I'm focused on other things in my life. But I know love will come knocking at my door and it will find me. I don't want to be like totally looking for it. I just kind of want, I know I contradicted myself there. I'm not really looking for it. I just am thinking that it's going to, find me whether or not it's already found me or not um we'll have to see right now i'm definitely not in love with anyone but time will tell i love that that's a good answer and i i think that because like the way that you've done the work and you know your lovely family i think you'd be a great you know boyfriend husband father etc i think you have such a great energy so um anyone who has you is lucky um, I, I do want to, um, just do like a quick fire questions and then we can just like wrap up. Um, I want to just, if you could explain your sister jazz in three words, how would you go about it? Three words. That's really tough to explain jazz in three words because no one even really knows how incredible jazz is at everything, but the full package. Oh, I like that. That's cute. <laughs> She's got it all. That's sweet. She's I got it that. all. I love that. When your family travels, do you like to do hiking or like a tropical destination? Like, you know, obviously after COVID opens. Oh, that's opens that up. that's a that's a toss-up, really. That's a toss-up. We love hiking, but we also love I right now I'm in the mood for a tropical destination. But Me hiking, too. Bro. Hiking's it too. <laughs> Soon we hopefully will go on a ski trip. Jazz has yet to ski. I've skied a a handful. Ari just went skiing a lot. Griffin has not gone skiing too much. My dad and mom used to ski a lot. So ski trip is hopefully next on the agenda. We'll have to wait till next winter, nice. but I'm making it happen. I love that. That's awesome. Um, okay. So Instagram wise, do you prefer Instagram or TikTok? What's your like, you know, I know that you're in that digital world, but like, are you, what, which one do you prefer? So I don't look at it as which one I prefer. I prefer creating content on TikTok. I think it's easier to find good sounds to replicate. I think it's easier to edit and just go through the entire process. And when I am consulting for creators and businesses, I say you have to make a TikTok. Even if you don't want a TikTok following, that's the best place to create content. But I do like the Instagram platform as well. And then Snapchat. I love Snapchat, but right now I'm trying to get in touch with Snapchat Spotlight because I have an issue and I haven't been able to get in touch. So that's ruining my 
prestige of Snapchat, or else I'd love Snapchat because I love the idea behind it. Uh, but in general, I like short form video. That's my answer. Short form video mm-hmm. over pictures. So I like videos over pictures. Got it. So do you like the YouTube shorts? I think they're kind of cute. Yeah. So I haven't gone watching on YouTube and I never really have consumed YouTube content. I'm still trying to figure out how to post my YouTube shorts. Right now I just put hashtag shorts and I know that works, but I'm figuring out YouTube shorts. So you'll have to stay tuned for that one. Have What's your experience with it? Um, so I just post like my longer videos and then it just automatically becomes a short. So I saw that it popped up on my account. I mean, I don't have a lot of subscribers, but it showed up and it was like, oh, you know, you're, it's like shorts beta. And then it just kind of put the first 15 seconds of the video as a short. So it's like a little preview. It's kind of cool. Every video, it's post, not the best. every video post becomes a short. Yeah. The first 15 seconds. All right, we I think if you to, want it. We might not, we might have Maybe to talk offline about that. Cause I would love, we to. will figure it out. I'm not quite sure. I'm not really the YouTube person. I'm more of an Instagram. TikTok is like my jam. So I'm all about that. Um, I want to ask you, um, just quickly a business question. So for people who are building their brand online, what's your why? Like, cause for me, my why is destigmatizing mental health in the queer community and minimizing shame through education and humor. So everything I do kind of goes back to that kind of thesis. Do you have something or like when people are building a brand, should they have something that like is kind of like their touch point? Oh yes. So the company mm-hmm. that I'm building is called Digi Empower. And like I said, it's focused on empowering keyword empowering Digi Empower. Empowering emerging creators and small businesses to use the power of short form video to create their own social media empower. I'm an empire. So that EMP in the center is the empire, which my logo isn't created fully yet, but should be soon. It's going to be an empire like building in the middle with empower. So Digi Empower. And so the idea behind it is that I think a lot of these people who are teaching social media, they're great. They have the knowledge and I'm sure they have just as much knowledge as me. Maybe I got my master's. Maybe I have a little more. I don't know. Kudos to me. But uh, anyways, (laughs) what I feel like a lot of these people lack is they're just teaching people how to do it, but they're not actually teaching them how to feel empowered and find their Mm -hmm. why. And so my company that I'm creating is focused not just on the actual strategy behind it, but also on the empowerment structure of it. The finding your why, figuring out what exactly is you want to post because doing that is the first step in building a brand, figuring out what you, what it is you are, who you are and what you want to share. And I think a key thing to note that I say is social media when it was just like Instagram, Snapchat was a, an, a, a, a Y to F type type of thing, uh, you to your friends. Now it's a, a Y to E, you to everyone. Because mm-hmm. most people who have TikTok followings, they don't know the people who to follow them. Most people who have a large nope. Instagram following, which is a lot less people, but um, a lot more people have large TikTok followings than Instagram followings, at least from what I've seen. True. But yes, it's not, I've social too. media no longer is a, a, a Y to F. It's not a you to friends anymore. It's a, if you want to grow on social media, you got to do it for everyone. And right. everyone includes the people that want to listen to what you have to share. And every single person in this entire world has something about them that other people could resonate to. So finding your why and your empowerment is the first step to being a good creator and to being going viral, really. So yeah, that's a great question. As you can see, it roused me up because I think passion is everything. Finding your passion mm-hmm. is the key to growing your digital empire. Absolutely. Good answer. And I think that, and and that's what you need for social media is passion. You don't have to have, some people are like, well, I don't have a cause. Don't have a cause, but then be really passionate about makeup or be really passionate about clothes. Or I have friends who are like passionate about their newsfeed and the colors and like, not everyone has to like, not everyone has to be political, but you can be impassioned. And you also like, I think confidence coaching is really important to like build up your passion and be excited. If you're not excited about what you're posting, why the fuck am I going to like it? You know, that's the thing that I get frustrated about. People are like, well, no, I'm not getting a lot of likes. I'm like, do you even like what you posted? Well, not really, but it was a trend. I'm like, then don't post a trend. Like you're not into it. People can tell. So that's a really, really good note. And what you said about, you know, it now going to everyone. When I was at USC, we were one of like 10 schools in 2000 and I think five that got Facebook. It was very exclusive. It was very like, I mean, if you had a thousand friends, you were like a celebrity. It was so exclusive. And now it's not, it's like people have, I've, I've met people that were following me for months before they even met me. So your reach is like, 
very different. So yeah, that was a really, really good point. Um, I could talk to you forever, but I don't want to, I know you're going to spend time with your family, which I love. I'm like obsessed with your family. Now I just want to ask one last question. Like, how do you, like, how would you give someone who's in your position now that you've gone, done the work, been an ally, posted about it, like taken the heat and the hate and the, you know, your parents had to go and be with jazz. Like you did all that stuff. Right. So what would you say to your younger self or to someone who's in a similar position now? They're like, my sister is transitioning or she came out or like, I don't know like how to like be an ally and be there for them and still feel my feelings. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. And it's a question that I've actually answered before. And the answer for me stems back to the idea that I mentioned right in the beginning. So it's a great last question because it really brings us back to the beginning. Like I said, I don't think I was the greatest ally up until more recently. And that had to do with me being a Y to F type of person. It was you to friends. My social media was me to friends. Even though I had 55,000 followers before I decided to try, I did it for, I did my social media and I thought the only people that mattered were the 3000 that were my friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. everything I did in life was to appease the people I knew and to make them feel good. Even if I wasn't doing the greatest good for the LGBT plus community or for what I was truly passionate about. And so what I would tell my younger self or anyone in any position where they're debating whether or not to follow a passion or their thoughts, because they're scared they're going to lose friends for it. Don't be scared to lose friends because those people aren't truly your friends. Don't be scared to get hate Mm -hmm. because those people are hating are coming from a place of hate and not love. But you, by following your passions, are coming from a place of love and you are following what you are passionate about. So if I could tell my younger self something, I would have told myself to be a stronger ally and to be this role model uh, earlier on because I think I could have made a lot more of a difference younger. And it's not too late now and I recognize that. But – it took me learning to do that. And hopefully anyone listening to this can take this and what I'm saying as their learning experience so they could start right away because there's nothing stopping you from following your passions, dreams, skills, joys, and everything. And for me, one of those passions was supporting the LGBT plus community, but things held me back and I wish they hadn't. That's amazing. That's a great answer. And you know, the way that you're so self-aware at such a young age and you really are able to do the work and you are doing the work, I think that is so commendable. And, you know, I wish I had done the work as well, but you know, you live and learn. And I always believe no matter if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, you can always change. And I I've seen it in my family, the way they adjusted and accepted me. It like, it's a process. And I always tell people it took you however long to come out. I was 27. You got to give your family some grace and time to like wrap their minds around it and be the ally that you want. Things don't happen like in a TV show where it's like, I'm coming out. Okay, great. We love you. It's like, those are shortened for TV consumption. So just keep that in mind. If you're in the closet coming out, just have, I know it's hard because we're we're going through a lot when we're in a closet and exposing our lives, but you have to kind of give your family a little bit of grace. They're doing the best they can with what they have. So I really appreciate you so much. Um, Tell everyone where they can follow you. And I really really, really hope to God, especially on Good Friday, (laughs) that like, even though you're Jewish and I'm Muslim, um, we're praying to the gods that, you know, we get a season seven of I Am Jazz because we all want to see more of your lovely family. So just tell us where people can follow you on TikTok and Instagram and DM him, Ribbit, if you want to be flirty with his fog, you know, that frog photo (laughs) video is hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. If If I get some ribbits after this podcast, I will... I will crack up and ribbit. But anyways, yes, if anyone wants to know about season seven, the update uh, will probably be on my social media. So you should definitely go follow. You could follow me on Instagram, Sander underscore 54, unless somehow I could get in contact with Instagram and get that changed. If anyone knows someone on Instagram that's listening, please let me know. But otherwise, all my other platforms are Sander underscore Jennings. And then YouTube is just Sander Jennings. Um, TikTok, Snapchat, anything else is Sander underscore Jennings, but Instagram is Sander underscore 54. I encourage you to add me across all those channels. I post different stuff, creating those cross-platform synergies. Also, if anyone is interested in social media growth, DM me growth. I Hopefully, by the time this comes out, I'll have even more offerings. Um, some of them are free, so we love free stuff, and some of them you'll have to pay for, but I'm here at your guys' disposal. Uh, to provide you content, good laughs, and maybe some marketing advice. So I love you guys all so much. Um, Yeah, maybe you guys will see me on the big screen sometime too. 
Thank you. Oh my God, the big screen. Yes, I love that. And I, I love free advice. So definitely DM uh, Sandra and get in touch, Sandra, and do it. I said Sandra again. I don't know why I can't get it together. Um, DM him and you know start the conversation, say growth, and build your social media. And I love what you said about multi-platform synergy because synergy is so important for like building that connection. Because a lot of times people do like one content and they post it on everything. And if you're following them on everything, you're like nothing's changing. Like you're just your all your socials look exactly the same. So. Thank you for mentioning that because that's really, really astute and people will appreciate it. Well, I've loved talking to you. You're honestly such a light and you're doing that work that, that and all of us in the LGBTQIA really need you. Um, so go follow and interact. And this is Amir Yas and you're here with The Take On and we're just trying to bring you these conversations and go and fight against this damn stupid ass backwards trans bills that are floating everywhere. I'm over it. Yeah. Fight him. Fight him. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Take On. The Take On is produced by Dory Berenstein and Alan Seals, edited by Kyle Moore, and is a proud member of the Broadway Podcast Network. You can find out more about me and The Take On at bpn.fm backslash The Take On. And of course, on my Instagram at Amir Yas official. Yes, honey, we're official. Make sure to subscribe and rate The Take On wherever you stream your podcast and keep tuning in for more amazing guests. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.